Hello everyone and welcome to the Postmodern Art Podcast, the podcast dedicated to giving artists who are wowing the world over the platform they deserve. I am your host, Nathan Raglan, and for this week's episode we have the energetic Sarah Serval Fisher, a production assistant at Nickelodeon, but also a compositor for Spindle Horse Tunes, working on Hasman Hotel and Hell of a Boss, while being the lead compositor for Addict and Bad Luck Jack. She was just a ball of energy the whole way through, and I had a blast with this interview. Go check out all our stuff in the description, especially her Patreon for Animation. Also, make sure you subscribe and follow the podcast on YouTube and most streaming platforms. Seriously, all the recent support has been amazing, and I'd love to see this grow. I've been having a blast speaking to those whose work I admire, and I can't wait for more. Oh, and lastly, I want to give a major shout-out to Vera Much, with her song Parts in Motion now being the official end song of the podcast. Go listen to her EP, thank you. We discussed it last week with the Left at London podcast, but seriously, it, it's not an EP, guys. It's an experience that you need to have. And now, without further ado, please enjoy the Postmodern Art Podcast. All right, Sarah, before we start, I want to start off with the icebreaker that I have for every episode. So for you, Sarah, what is your most unpopular art opinion? Oh my goodness. Um... <laughs> That's kind of hard because, like, I have so many, I guess, hot take opinions about different types of art. Um, I guess I guess seeing people get stressed out over Inktober is kind of funny to me because it's just like it's something you don't need to participate in. Just breathe. It's okay. Like, I understand, like, voicing concern about the controversy behind it since it is, like, really, I don't know. It's, I don't know. Like, it's, it's controversial, but it's also just kind of like, okay. At, at this point, we all know it's it's just kind of like a, a sus thing, um, just given like all the history that has been going on behind it. But seeing people like stress out over it, it's just like it's no one's forcing you to do it. But I don't know if it's just like some weird Coachella artist animation FOMO that people are experiencing that causes people to kind of flip out over it. But I just I, I have it all muted. I'm just over it. So fair enough. It, my, it, if yeah. you don't mind me asking, because I actually don't know about what is there. I didn't realize there was a controversy behind Inktober. Is oh, it's yeah. It, it first it started off with like, oh, it's Inktober, and then people started getting into arguments about, oh, well, you're not using real ink. You're not doing Inktober the proper way, and everyone's like, who gives a shit? Like, just do digital <laughs> art or or real ink or some other ink something, and then people are like, well, I don't want to do Inktober. I'm gonna make snake. Inktober or I don't know water bottle tober every day you get to draw a water bottle and then it's just like okay cool that's fine yeah. and then it kind of devolved and there's this there's currently there's a big um scandal that the creator of Inktober um oh there, there was also some weird like copyright issue that was um later debunked since Inktober the word is trademarked and the guy who made it his lawyer started sending out random cease and desist over people selling books that were titled Inktober or something, or just using the word. And it's just like, okay, it's, it's weird. Um, I can, I can understand like it was, it's a similar thing, like a YouTube MCN where like mm -hmm. the MCN will go and like send out cease and desist or copyright claims for clips and stuff without the creator's consent. But it was just like a weird thing. Cause it was like targeting really small independent artists and it just, it wasn't cool. Um, but then, and then there's just, I don't know, there's just, it's all over the place. It's just a, a topic. <laughs> it's like, oh, fall's coming around. Hmm, I wonder what new Inktober bullshit's going to come out. 
You know, I'm not going to lie. When I asked for that question, I never thought I'd get a response to where I get taught a lesson from that. Because I didn't realize that there was any controversy stuff. I just thought it was awesome to see artists just making stuff. That's that's kind of the exactly. purpose of writing over. And then people were starting to get all, like, gatekeepy and elitist yeah. about, like, oh, well, you need to use actual pure black India ink. Otherwise, you're not doing it correctly. And it was just like this... It's it's just it's lame. It's the same thing like when people this kind of ties in to the same things like when when people get kind of bent about getting asked what brushes they use and it's just like oh make your own. It's not about the tools. Just like people care about what you're making and want to emulate that. Get off your high horse and link what Procreate brush you were using. Like I, I don't know. It's dumb. It's just help people. Yeah, I mean that honestly like all that gatekeeping and stuff that actually reminds me of the what was it the first episode I had a, a person by the name of uh, Super D uh, D Parson if you mm-hmm. if you're online uh, pen and ink uh, rosebuds uh, plush Maria you know the, the little comic strips and such and like that mm-hmm. was something that he was totally against just gatekeeping in general just you know because at the end of the day when it comes to art as a whole it's a community like you know a community yeah. cannot thrive if you know there's just gatekeeping a community works together to help each mm-hmm. other so yeah i totally get where you're coming from and i guess i'll just go ahead and ask is that uh is that a hill you're willing? your yeah words are wonderful is that a hill you're willing to die on uh, yeah sure because i mean like a lot of people agree that the whole inktober discourse is just stupid but at the same time it's it's like weirdly balanced where the other side is like no it's it's important i just uh there's there's no winning <laughs> so yeah i have no problem having like an opinion that half the other people have so it's just like okay i don't know i mean at the end of the day as long as amazing art is you know being produced why are we to complain or mm-hmm. why are people to complain so it's, yeah just, just draw <laughs> there you yeah. go just draw <laughs> with that let's go ahead and get started with the podcast welcome ladies and gentlemen to the postmodern art podcast i am your host nathan raglan uh, with me today, I have the wonderful, one minute, I have a little intro for this. <clears throat> uh, she is a designer for animation with a BFA in the field, working for the likes of Nickelodeon, Something Else YouTube, and Sprindle Horse Tunes, compositing on Hasman Hotel, Hell of a Boss, as well as being the lead compositor on Addict and Bad Luck Jack, lover of, ev- lover of everything weird and colorful, especially snakes, freelance artist Sarah Serval Fisher. Sarah, welcome to the podcast. Hello. <laughs> Happy to be here. <laughs> I, I, I hope you are too because I'm ecstatic to have you here. But before we start, I have to start with asking quite possibly the most serious question I have ever had on this podcast. What's with the nickname Serval? Oh, oh my God. <laughs> I I just it's it's devolved from so servals are my my favorite animal. Like okay. I they're they're just fun, they're lanky, they're like the Photoshop of cats, honestly, they're just such, they're just so weird. And I don't know, there's their personalities are great. And like, I'm a total like furry, disgusting person. So I was just like, Oh, well those kind of match, I guess. So I'm just going to keep drawing them and then take them as a names namesake. So I like servals and I sketch art and there you go. And then my character Mao also is a serval as well. So it kind of stuck with it. And I, I, when when you're working in animation too, like there are so many, um, so many people with the same name. Like I know mm-hmm. a ton of Sarahs. A lot of them are spelled with an H. A lot of them are spelled without an H. It doesn't really matter. But it's just like, yeah, the name Sarah Fisher is unique in its own right, other than being some 
there's some other there's like a famous Sarah Fisher that's a indie car driver, but like I don't I know I don't I don't race, um, but like um, so I was just like yeah I'm just gonna you know just kind of brand myself as Serval Sketch and then why not have it be my name too so it's just easy I and mean, I've I've yet to meet another Serval by the name of Serval <laughs> so yeah or Sorbel yeah. Have you actually seen a serval in real life, or is it just one of those you saw online? Oh <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I I've seen I've seen a ton of them. Like uh, one of my friends actually has one. He's really? got yeah. He's like this cool biochem dude that lives in the Bay Area that has a serval uh, savanna cat, which is a, a serval crossed with a domestic cat, and then he has like two other like really highbrow and expensive cat breeds. And I went over to his house once to just like draw his serval and I stood up too fast and it totally bapped me on the head. And I have like a little scar on the top of my head somewhere. And oh, I'm like, no. Oh, I've been, I've been marked. <laughs> you are now forever a serval. <laughs> that is, yeah. Locked uh, in. There you go. Um, well, as you were saying, you know, you wanted to brand yourself as an artist with that. What exactly got you interested in art in the first place? Let's get kind of like the origin story of Sarah. Yeah, that's that's always kind of been like a difficult question because I feel like with a lot of artists, it's just like, oh, I just happened to draw. Other people did sports or writing or, I don't know, some other estranged hobby or something. And I just happened to pick the the drawing route. Um, I, did a, I did a lot of like, I don't know, character creation stuff when I was – I think like eighth grade or something. I, I did a lot of dragons. I love dragons. I'm okay. starting to get back into drawing dragons, which is fun. Um, and then like I got my first drawing tablet, which is a Intuos three when I was a freshman in high school. I don't super remember. I think so. Nice. Um, and then that kind of like evolved and like, whoa, digital art and Photoshop and all this stuff. And then DeviantArt was a thing, Furfinity was a thing, uh, Tumblr, and then just constantly, and now I'm just kind of like, mm, Twitter, and that's, I'm just going to stay here, Twitter and Instagram. So, I don't know. Um, and uh, let's see, um, what's, it was weird, I actually wanted to go to art school pretty bad, but my parents were like, you can't go to art school, that's, you can't do that, and I'm like, okay, so I went to this private school in, um, what's it in uh, Washington called University of Puget Sound. But was what was interesting is like we got our orientation packet by by mail before I got there and my locker number was twenty three nineteen, which is like the, yeah, which is like the, the code in, in Monsters Inc. for yes. the, the sock for the, the viewers that don't know what that is because they're not cultured or something. But like it's just I was like, this is a sign. I shouldn't I yeah. shouldn't be here. This isn't a, this I need to and then so I I did a year and I was just like, mom, I'm not, mom, I'm not having a good time. And she was flat out like, oh, everyone has a bad freshman year of college. Just do another year. And I was like, okay, fine. And then by the end of my fall semester, I was like, mom, look, I'm going to start applying to art school. If I don't get in, I'm going to take a gap year. And she was like, fine, just promise me that you're going to go back to college later. And I'm like, okay, cool. Um, so I got into art school. Uh, I went to uh, Woodbury University, which is like a small school um, in Burbank, California, which is no joke right down the street from every single possible studio. I mean, I thought the animation industry was small and everyone knew each other, but I didn't know how truly small it was like in in physical like geospace of of walkable blocks between studios. It's, It's pretty funny. 
so did that, learned about animation and all that stuff. And then, yeah, <laughs> so now I'm here. I say, goodness. I was going to say, what's funny is like, not only is the, the, the 2319 that you were talking about, not only was that a, you know, the, the monster thing thing. Funny enough, that was actually the number for my dorm room or not. Yeah. For my dorm room and for my freshman oh, really? year. Yeah. So, That's I, uh, what was I going to say? So it's one of those, and I also find it funny. I, again, like you said, I never really thought they were really that close. They were seriously that mm -hmm. close. Physically. Yeah. It's weird. Like even, um, so there's a, um, so I, I live, uh, pretty close to Nickelodeon. I mean, everyone kind of lives in, in Burbank in the main kind of sphere. Um, but like I live close to Nickelodeon and like, there's some off street that you can just keep going down and you'll end up going on flower street. And then that whole street has, um, Disney Imagineering, consumer products, Marvel, um, the animation research library and DreamWorks feature and DreamWorks TV on it. And it's just like, <laughs> God, it's literally like 500 feet apart or if not in the same complex, it's hilarious. Or even, even at, even at Nickelodeon now, it went since, uh, CBS and Viacom, uh, partnered up instead yeah. of CBS getting their own um, studio. They're actually like, no, no, no we're going to take some of Nickelodeon space and then also <laughs> uh, key card off areas where it's CBS employees, even though they're also working on animation shows. And it's just like, okay, it, it's it's very bizarre. <laughs> yeah, I I can I just yeah. I just you know can imagine that one funny scenario of it's just like you know someone walking out of DreamWorks. I quit this place. Walk down the street. Hi, you guys hiring? Um, <laughs> pretty much. You know what's funny is um on the on the Flower Street. So it's called the Creative Campus, which is where the big Disney building is. And every street, sorry, every building on that street that is brown, green, or maroon is owned by Disney. Really. So and. They're either like warehouses for Imagineers to, you know, make animatronics or like costume places, um, some other random stuff. And then the animation research library is unmarked, but it's still in one of the Disney buildings. But what's funny is depending on who you ask is um, so that whole street is basically Disney. And then there's DreamWorks at the very, very end. If you ask a Disney person, they'll say, oh, we had the whole real estate and then DreamWorks decided to take the last spot. But if you ask DreamWorks, they're like, no, we were here first. Disney decided to just buy all the real estate around us. I'm like, okay. Like, I don't know if it's just like a funny joke or if there's actually true weird studio beef or something. But it's just, it just was funny to, to find out. I don't know. It's weird. I don't know which one's true or not. <laughs> so I'm just like, all right. We need to get some of the fans. We need some fact checkers to figure out if that's actually yeah, legit please. or not. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, as we talked about, like, you know, you, you get into college and all this kind of stuff. What got you interested into compositing, which is your, you know, main expert that what a lot of people would know you for these days? Mm -hmm. Um, so let's see. Uh, I mean, when you, when you look at like an animation, um, in terms, sorry, when you look at like an animated feature TV show, like you, you kind of take it for face value of, of just like, wow, that exists but you don't really know like what goes into it. Right. Um, I mean, I'm still learning new job titles every day. It's pretty crazy how, how separated everything is, even though they all fall into like, Oh, well the characters were designed. That's done by a character designer, but there's so many jobs that kind of offspring that like um, prop designer that goes with characters. Um, well, actually it's just prop designer, but like uh, color stylists and, you know, bits and bobs c costume designer, like that could be one potentially. Um, Let's see. Uh, but um, at the time, uh, around 2015, um, 
when I started, uh, when I started art school, um, I was dating someone who was a lighter at Disney and I was like, what does that mean? A lighter. And then like found out that there's a whole job for making the scenes lit and stuff. And then I was like, that's, that's crazy. I thought that was just like done, you know, it's like, you, you can't really explain it if you don't have the context for it. Um, I mean, it's the same thing with like, um, like your, your Tyler poster that you have, which by the way, love Scum Flood Flower, scum, wow, Scum, scum Flood Flower Boy, yes. I love it. <laughs> it's one of my, it's my, one of my favorite albums, right. but it's just like, you know, someone, someone had to, had to sketch that yeah. and then get it approved and do all these thumbnails and stuff like that and then paint it and then just, it's just, there's just so many steps and it's so cool. And then it's the same thing with animation, um, with job titles. So when I found out that the lighting was a thing, I was like, that's fun. And it kind of coincided with what I was doing with my art where I would really love doing the final rendering and, um, let's see. Yeah. The, the final rendering and, uh, adding light and just making it all atmospheric and weird, even though it wasn't, um, technically accurate to real world space or whatever. I mean, I wasn't super trying. I was just trying to just make it like look pretty, I guess, but, um, uh, it, no, it was, it was really cool to learn. And then as I've kind of, as I kind of progressed throughout school year, um, I found myself like, cause my, my art style, like, I mean, it still kind of is furry, but I, um, what's it? I wanted to transition more to the industry style stuff and what I really wanted to do character design. Um, as a, as a career. Cause I mean, like that's, you know, that's what I wanted to go for art school for. Right. Um, but you know, even, even when I was drawing the characters and whatnot, I found myself like not really liking the, like the drawing part. And even though I'm decent at it, it's still just kind of like, okay, uh, let me just get to the coloring part. And every time I, I did that, um, it was, it was really fun. And even for some school assignments, I did some renderings and some fake lighting keys for like characters that I had made or something. And it's just like, Oh, I really, I really like doing this. Um, and then when I got to my thesis, which will not see the light of day ever until <laughs> I decide to <laughs> redo it in CG, like originally planned. Oh, um, okay. Okay. But, um, just didn't have the, the time or the resources. Um, unfortunately, uh, given that our school just, uh, our, our class was definitely like used as for like a, a guinea pig purpose oh, okay. in a way of um, oh, we're trying out a new curriculum and our, all of our roots are kind of based in traditional animation, which is fine. Um, but a lot of the faculty were either like ex Disney veterans and all this cool stuff, which is, which is again is, is great. But unfortunately it just didn't really match with, you know, the kind of moving times of how, um, how the industry was going since everything's, you know, CG now, um, and all 2d, not all, but like most 2d shows are done with, um, uh, character rigs and whatnot, as opposed to hand-drawn. But anyway, um, so I only had like one CG class, so I couldn't really do it in CG and, and like, I just didn't have the time to, or the dedication really to teach myself a level of CG where I would learn how to, um, model rig surface texture, um, light render a character and then multiple sets. And it's just, it's just, it just wasn't happening. Um, so when I was doing that, uh, the animation part, um, was fun and I really wanted to make it atmospheric, um, and whatnot. So I kind of did that more with, um, let's see, adding 
some particle systems and gradients to the background, but I never really did any like actual color correction or anything with my thesis mm. and didn't even know anything about what my current, I guess, length of knowledge is about After Effects, which is the main program that I use for compositing um, and how to use it. So like looking at my film, I was like, I, I know what intent I was going for, but I couldn't even execute it in the way that I wanted to because I just did not know how. Right. Um, and then when I, you know, got the job with Viv, she kind of went over a general overview of what she wanted to do with Hasbin. And I'm like, what? This is this is literally like a two click thing. I could have I could have done this the whole time. <laughs> so pissed off. It was literally like it was like layer layer styles inner shadow, make it a color. And I'm like, dude, like my whole, my whole thesis was about like a plant growing in sunlight. And I didn't even like add any light. I was so frustrated, but it was just like, whatever it's done moving on. (laughs) But yeah. Uh, Wow. That's a lot of, I I can only imagine the frustration as someone that went to film school, the frustration of like something that seems so simple or something that you know seems so complicated then you learn mm-hmm. i could have done this so easily oh yeah totally yeah it just i was just like my my guy <laughs> for, for those who don't know i i should have had, probably asked this first before the backstory for those who don't know what exactly is compositing oh yeah watch my video <laughs> um, but like compositing is just making the characters or just making everything feel cohesive so you um uh, let me try and like think if I can paint a picture, if you will. Okay. Um, so imagine, I don't know, imagine a dog walking on the beach okay. and the dog is yellow and the sand is yellow and you're like, okay, that's a yellow dog walking on a yellow beach. But it's like, what time of day is it? Um, how hot is it outside? Is this a cold beach or is it a normal beach? Um, not a normal beach. Or is it, is it like a cold beach? Is it a, um, What's it? A uh, SoCal beach? Is there any fog? Okay. Um, what's the what's the depth of field like? What type of camera are you using? Um, what else? Um, I don't know. There's just, there's just so many factors of how to make something feel more believable, and it's all subjective too. Because you can take that yellow dog and the yellow beach and just kind of add a gradient to the dog to help him separate from the background, but still look cohesive and part of the scene. Or you can go full balls to the wall and add some live air that might look like kicked up sand or like some clouds floating in the sky or depth of field to make it look like he's more so in the foreground or maybe making the ocean more. There's just so many things to just that you can tweak and move around to make the scene feel a little bit more alive and cohesive. And as I, as I talked in my video, um, when I was compositing Angel Dust in Addict, there were a lot of times where he just was flat out pink or this weird kind of like desaturated maroon color. But like all of the all of the animation files was just his, his stock model colors. I just did all of that in color correction, but you couldn't really tell, or rather, you couldn't really um, it, it it didn't really like stick out because he looked like he was part of the scene. So right. walking into a darker room, he's going to look darker having something with a warm temperature um he has to be adjusted as well otherwise he'll just like totally stick out and just look you know like a file slapped on the background <laughs> which is what it is but um yeah but like with compositing like in, in your as in your experience with what you do you're not just you know 
applying something to a flat color, you're trying to make the, the environment feel more lived in and feel, let the audience feel more immersed in it, correct? Oh, totally. Um, yeah, and like when I, one of my favorite like subtle examples is uh, in Addict when Angel Dust is crying on the bed with, with Cherry. I could have very easily just kind of left them there because the background was already kind of shaded and the lighting there it was he um both of them were illuminated by the the window light coming in but and it it read fine all i would really have to do is just like put a shadow on there i guess but i really wanted to push that they were sad and that it was like a dark moment so i made both of them darker made cherry's eye uh stand out as like a an emotional focal point and then also kind of like sculpted the light around um like their lower halves so it like would push more towards their face um and then also like did some drop shadow stuff and whatever just for the sake of like oh i mean they're on a bed and some window cast light um but you can only really kind of get so far with procedural stuff like the like adding a drop shadow within ad- after effects and uh, uh instead of um doing like a a masking thing and kind of like hand drawing, so to speak, with them, uh, the pen tool. Oops, I just dropped a pen. Um, <laughs> like, <laughs> um, but no, it's it, an, another thing too is um, that I feel like people don't realize as part of a lighter or compositor's job is helping sell the emotion. So right. um, let me think of a good example. Okay, so spoiler alert, but like it's my one of my favorite examples is uh, in Breaking Bad when Skylar realizes that um, Walter, you know, is this meth king and all this stuff. And she like totally freaks out and is just kind of having like a full on catatonic, numb mental breakdown and all this stuff. Um, when, uh, let's see, Walt, Walt Jr., uh, what's his name? Hank and the sister, whatever her name is, forgot. I don't care about her, Marie and whatever. Skylar looks at, looks at the pool and then slowly goes into it. But the pool's light is blue, like the light of Walter's meth. And her going into the pool and having the blue get more intense on her face is her succumbing to this new lifestyle that she now has to choose to adapt to or drown to. And like even her like going into a pool and then as soon as she's underwater, she's all blue. It's It's crazy. It's like this total like like perspective point that you can choose to see if you, if you know about it. Otherwise it's just like, wow, Skylar's kind of depressed. She's going to drown herself. Holy shit. Which is like emotional and intense in its own right. But understanding what color means as an emotive, uh, as like an emotive tone for pushing, I guess is just, it makes it so much cooler. I mean, like it happens with like composition and stuff too, which is more, um, of the layout artist job, but that, that's a whole another tangent. But I just, I just love that example. Cause it's just so drastic and like the, the color blue in that show is just, it's great. Or like when he gets shot, the song is like baby blue. And it's like, Oh, cause he died cause of his meth shit. So it's just, it's just good. 
I love it. <laughs> no, I just, first off, before we continue, I just want to say I could listen to you talk about this stuff all day. I am not joking. Oh, good, I won't shut up. Yeah, like <laughs> no, but yeah. I, I do want to say I I know exactly what you're talking about because I know whenever I was making short films and such, like I would use like the color, like different color lightings to try to like mm -hmm. convey different emotion. Go back in. I know like there's mm -hmm. people that were incredible with like color corrections when it comes to uh, Adobe Premiere, and like they can convey like either like a super sorrow and depressed moment by adding like a good bit of blue or something like that or like in, in most horror films you see like the color red for like certain scenes and stuff. Oh, lots of greens and stuff too yes. yeah green is like a super because like you know that that's that's definitely a good point too um saw uh the first saw i mean the third one's fine too they both use like really i love dude i love the software they're so good okay. but like in in the first in the first one like the use of just fluorescent light blue and green to really just make the red blood pop yes. um it's just so it's just good and then that also just comes down to like basic color theory too it's like oh red and green they're complementary it's not christmas it's just it's blood and stuff <laughs> so it's not, I'm sorry, that is quite possibly the greatest phrase I've ever heard. It's not Christmas, it's blood and stuff. In my bedroom. Yeah. Oh, goodness. So, I guess long story short, I think you would say that compositing, uh, com compositing is very important when it comes to animation to help. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Let's <laughs> say long story yeah, short. Yeah, it's, it's so good. Um, yeah. I, I don't know where to go yeah. at this point. <laughs> no. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, this is great. Let, let's let's go to a little bit more of like your your work history as such as a whole. Mm -hmm. um, you you said yourself that you were actually I don't know if you said, it, but I know you mentioned Nickelodeon. You're actually working uh, with Nickelodeon right now. Um, on your resume, mm -hmm. you listed that you're actually a production assistant for the Big Nate Show, which I didn't even realize was even being made. Um, Ooh, you found my resume. I did find nice. your resume. I do my research. Thank you. Um, <laughs> Please don't dox me. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm a PA on, on Big Nate. It's a, I can't, I can't, it's weird. Uh, you can at least say that you're working on it, but you can't yeah. say what's, what you're working on it or what's on it that I, you worked on. I'm going to, I'm going to vague and I, I'm going to say that I really, I, I hope that there will be like public, like more public information or first looks, uh, coming out soon because the, the development of this show is really cool i need to like i'm gonna keep talking while i look up to see like what things i can kind of like right, right. well <laughs> NDA, I, 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 NDA I, I, elaborate on because right. <laughs> like it's neat i i do want to like just ask like not like when it comes to the actual experience of like working on the show and such was it what you imagined it would be like working for a big studio like nickelodeon like that or is it something just wildly different i know covid may have had a little hand in making it different but as a whole is it what you imagined or is it just something completely different that it's hard to describe for anyone looking to get into animation mm. <laughs> that's always like hard for me to kind of like talk about because it, it's so it's so different for everyone but as far as like my own journey um when i was in school i started doing internships and my first one was at Warner Brothers on the new, um, uh, what's it, HBO Max, Looney Tunes cartoons show. Oh, okay. And that was really cool. Um, and there were there were lots of, um, uh, oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> the res the resume that I have public is my is my art one, not my production one. Yeah, that's right. It doesn't list all my internships. Um, but yeah, I did I did production internship on 
the Looney Tunes show and it was really interesting and eye-opening to see like what an animation studio is like um excuse me God, I, every time I talk I like burp a ton so if I like go off I'm like god anyway you're fine Jesus you're fine. <laughs> um but um yeah, it was it was cool and then like learning the tools of the trade and all that and just seeing all the development art was really exciting and after that, I got a uh, development production internship at DreamWorks TV uh, where I got to kind of put my little grubby little fingers all over like 40-ish plus projects that were in development. Um, and I thought that was a really unique experience since DreamWorks doesn't have its own network. And this was right. kind of, oh, what year was this? This was 2018. Okay. Yes, this was 2018. So yeah, the streaming services were definitely popping off, but they were not as popping off as they are now. I mean, because of, you know, pandemic or whatever. Right. So um, I thought it was really cool to see that since DreamWorks doesn't have its own network, the development team would actually develop either properties that they had bought um, from already established IPs and started developing in there, or they would get internal talent to pitch shows that they want to make and then that's a whole internal talent thing and then the whole development team would just be leading up to create a pitch bible or pitch deck whatever to then sell to a streaming service for them to start um production on or to continue developing depending on the um the uh the contract so that was really neat um because usually at at studios they have or usually yeah, at studios that do have networks it's like you have the dev team um, in-house, like at, like at Nickelodeon, you have the dev team in-house and then they, you know, it airs on Nickelodeon. So it's just like, okay, everything's kind of like in-house, but DreamWorks established all these different relationships with Amazon Prime and Hulu and Netflix. And I'm sure I'm missing like a ton of them, not Disney Plus though. And like, it, it just was, it was neat. Um, let me see. Um, so that was fun. And then I did a consumer art internship at Universal slash DreamWorks. I say slash DreamWorks because even though Universal does own DreamWorks, all of the properties that I provided artwork for were for um, like DreamWorks TV. So I drew a lot of spirit, like drawing horses. Right. Uh, I did stuff for Cruise 2 Publishing, Trolls 2 Consumer Products, Spirit again, uh, She-Ra. Um, I saw you did a, a consumer art for uh, Felix the Cat that was, I guess, was in development. Or something. Oh yeah. Oh, sorry. What was that? No, I was saying the 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 Felix the Cat one that you did. I assume it was for something that was, I guess, in development or something. It was. Let me see. Um, it just was for a thing. Okay. I, I that's that's like I can vague for. I don't know what happened to it. They just were one day. They're like, hey, you draw Felix. I'm like, all right. <laughs> and then I did. And then th those were literally the only drawings that I made. And I'm like, all right. Um, so I don't, I don't know if they went anywhere. Um, but yeah. And then after that, I got a production internship on SpongeBob and Camp Coral. And that was really fun since that kind of like introduced me into Nick. Um, yes. Nick, the, the Nick culture is, is really fun. I mean, their, their studio itself, like the first thing you see when you go through the, the security office is a big hello with an exclamation point over the archway to getting into the, the studio lawn. Okay. And the lawn has like all these funky chairs. It literally looks like a playground. It's, it's great. There we go. Um, yeah. But it was also like really great um, during our orientation. Uh, the, um, wow, the, the internship 
kind of head person. I don't know. I forgot what her actual title is. I think she's just like the head of the Nick turns, um, but her name is, uh, her name is Amy Wu and she also works in HR and is really nice, but she made us feel really, really special, which is cool. She told us how many other applications there were and that we were all handpicked. There were only like 20 of us and they got like, oh, wow. I think over 8,000 applications. Goodness. Like I thought I was like, wow. <laughs> I'm pretty cool. <laughs> but then <laughs> I just thought that that was neat. Um, but I was also interning on two shows. Um, okay. So I was, uh, I'm not sure if the other, because uh, Nick takes interns from, or four different departments too, not just animation. So okay. um, legal, marketing, um, you know, all, all that good stuff. Live action, uh, since they're the, the Burbank studios are like right down the street from Nick. Um, let me see. Uh, but uh yeah, so it was it was really cool, and I, I met a bunch of other interns that were working on their shows, but I was on two, and they just happened to be the two shows that were super duper intense since it's SpongeBob, which yeah. is like the face of Nickelodeon, and I was like, whoa, that's that's crazy, and a lot of people on the staff have been there since season one, like really? twenty plus years, yeah. Um, oh yeah, that's right. I was I interned during the twentieth anniversary. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, man, it was so sad though. They still had um, uh, Steven Hillenberg's office set up and everything, and no oh. one went in it. Yeah, it was really sad. I can't I can't imagine what that was like for you know the uh, I don't even want to say older folks like the the veterans that have been there since day one. Right. Like right. that's just oh, woof. It's crazy. Um, heard a lot of really emotional stories from the crew about like how great of a guy he was and this and that. Um, and I'm still having like trouble processing feelings about how I feel about like all the spinoff shows that are coming out. Like, I mean, Camp Coral, as soon as like my first day on the intern uh, of the internship, Camp Coral got greenlit, which was like, whoa, okay, that's, that's neat. And then that was also like the first day of production. It was like, whoa, wait, it got greenlit. And then like now it's in production, but that's also like, okay, I mean, stuff can be greenlit, but not publicly announced. So I just was like a, I mean, I know that now, but at the time I didn't, I was like, oh, okay. Um, but it was weird. And I mean, like just recently too, the, the Patrick show just got announced as well, right, uh, which right. is also being made by um, the SpongeBob team. So Mike and Vince. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Um, but yeah, no, SpongeBob was really, was really cool, but it was also hard. Like I definitely, my other internships were very, very lax. Um, and, uh, you know, my, my production team was like, uh, you know, giving, giving me suggestions about things that I could, um, Im improve on in terms of just like being an intern. Cause Nick is so, it wants you to be involved as much as possible. Right. I mean, kind of during later on, since, uh, my internship was, I think May through August of last year. And, um, at first, I was just like, okay, I'm just going to show up and do my job and leave, which is like, just for anyone listening that wants to do an internship, don't do that. Don't, don't be nonchalant. I mean, like the fact that you were, the fact that you were handpicked for an internship, just give it, give it your all. Don't be lazy bones. It's just lame and people remember it. Um, and um, we yeah, had my first bit of the internship. I was just kind of like, okay, I'm, I'm doing this. This is fun. But I, tr I treated it like a job as opposed to an experience. And then later on, you know, I saw as after kind of meeting more of the interns, I saw um, 
what's it, what, what they were doing. And then we started kind of having like mini competitions of who could talk to more people more. So <laughs> Nick really, yeah, it was really funny. Like Nick really encouraged you to, Hey, you want to talk to the VP of marketing? Fuck it. Send him an email. Yeah. Say you're a Nick turn. They'll, they'll meet up for coffee or you want to meet the head of the show or this XYZ artist or whatever. You want a portfolio review, do it. And I thought that that was really cool. Um, since if there's one thing that I've noticed that I am very, very glad that I grew out of, um, is that, um, I feel like people, especially within the animation industry or just artists in general have like a weird fear, like, Oh, I don't want to bother anyone. I don't want to do that. They're not going to talk to me. I'm just an X, Y, Z. I'm an aspiring X, Y, Z. And it's just like fucking be an ABC then put yourself <laughs> first. Like, I don't know, like make those, make those connections, um, grow your alphabet, dude. Like it's just, there we go. It, it was, it was just good to have a culture of people like the, not, not even like just the team, but the entire studio was like, you know, reach out make connections, make friends. Um, and then be, be friendly to, um, because a lot of a lot of students students I feel kind of choke up with a weird um, pedestal of like oh they don't need to talk to me it's okay they already uh, it's just like just do it <laughs> um, they're just people with cool jobs that you want and they know that that's it it's not yeah. even trying to diminish accomplishments it's just talk to people you know um, yeah. and I, I really I really like that so the interns um, and I I mean I'm an intern too but like we all we all would do like that sort of stuff and made, made connections that way with the interns and other people we talked to. And it was really fun. And I'm still talking to, you know, a few people that I've met there, um, totally unrelated to my Nick job. So go. it was fun. But yeah. Um, yeah. And then after that ended, um, around August, I was talking with like, I already kind of like established a connection with, um, Viv Z pop, Viv, whatever, um, like earlier um, in the year, like around April ish, because we were already we were working on this clusterfuck of a project that I'm not even going to name because it's just no. Um, and then she's just like, yeah, and she's like, oh, I'm working on Hashman Hotel, and I'm like, what's that? And she's like, oh, it's this, and I'm like, cool. <laughs> and then like months later, I'm, I like started bugging her if she needed any help, and then eventually she caved and was like, fine. And then the rest is, yeah. <laughs> so and the rest is history. Uh, mm -hmm. So you mentioned uh, Vivi Pop and you know Vivian towards the end right there. Um, as we are speaking, or as last I've checked, unless I'm completely wrong, uh, you at this point you've basically been compositing for all of the uh, Spindle Horse projects. Um, you mm -hmm. said you said yourself you got involved in the first place by just basically bub uh, bugging Viv into just you know. Like I guess showing literally, yeah. Okay, <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> what was it like working with her in order to bring that vision that she's been working on for years to life? Um, it's pretty fun since I help shape it. So like, at first I was kind of timid about bringing up my my own suggestions of how we could in improve stuff, but now I'm just like, mm, Viv, I don't like that. I'm going to fix it. She's like, all right. Um, but it, it's pretty cool. Um, I had, like, like I said earlier, like I, I had no idea what has been was 
um, okay. or you know what she had been making besides the the blue Kesha Wolf song, which right. I love. Yes. Um, yeah. That was the only and, way I heard about her before all this has been stuff popped up. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> oh yeah, no, totally. And like, even even with Zoophobia, I was like, wait, that's the wait. So the blue wolf lives in this universe. What if I? I'll get the, I'll get to that in a second. I feel like a total plebeian for not knowing this. Oh, Jesus. Anyway, but, but like, um, shoot. Oh yeah, but um. I was just like, okay, Hasman's cool. That's neat. And then we, we had met up in person. Our first time meeting in person, I, was, I invited her to lunch at, at Nick. And she was like, oh, yeah, I'm working on another program, uh, another project called a Hell of a Boss. Like, yeah. it, it's kind of neat. Like, I'm working with this YouTuber called Brandon Rogers. And I was like, I love Brandon Rogers. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's cool. Let me know if you need any help. <laughs> Wink. Um, <laughs> Winks in 24 frames a second. Um, but it was just like <laughs> – um, it was just fun. And like her stuff is stuff that I've never seen before past. I don't, I don't even want to call her art style, like deviant art style. Like there are definitely styles out there that are similar, but what she was doing with her universe, it's not even a world. It's a fucking galaxy, dude. There's like so yeah. many things in there that like, I was just like, okay, stripes. Nice. Skinny. Sick. Okay. Husband. And it's just, there's just there was just so much to it that I was like, whoa, this is actually like exciting to see. And then I got brought onto the server, and everyone was really nice. Um, there were some people there that were industry veterans, and I was like, whoa, you worked on this? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, cool. And then there were some people like me that had never worked on a project um, besides school stuff or personal work. And I'm like, also sick. There's a huge variety. Um, I don't even know. I mean, I could check the server right now, but like, I, I don't know the the total final count of how many people worked on Hasman, but I think it was close to 100 because we, we currently have like 80 plus. Um, I don't even want to say full time, but definitely like 80 plus people that we are currently actively working with um, for Spindle Tunes as a whole, not even like project based, um, yeah. which is kind of neat. Um but yeah, Hasman was just neat. And then like I started seeing the hype for it. And I was like, whoa, this is a bigger thing than I thought it was gonna be. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah, dude. It was it was whack. Um, and what's funny is like Viv and I like live pretty close to each other. So there'd be sometimes at like three o'clock in the morning where I'd be like, Hey Viv, you up? And she's like, Yeah, I'm like, okay, I'm coming over. <laughs> and then when we would just like work work together on stuff and have like all sixteen thousand, she only has like two. I mean she has three now, but at the time she had two, like her cat's like running all over the place and then just go and get some crazy caffeine loaded Starbucks um and just work until we passed out and then wake up and then work again. Yeah, she has this cool beanbag that I just was like, okay, I'm, you know, I could drive home. I'm sitting here. Sorry. And then, like, wake up and then just get right back to it. It was it was pretty fun. Um, yeah. Um, what else? And then the fact that she even booked um, – like, it, this part, it was public, but I, I just wish more people posted about it. But, like, she booked a theater for us to watch the pilot of Hasman Hotel right. as well as also the Hell of a Boss pilot – that no one had seen before. Um, not even, so she, she brought me onto the hell of a team, um, mm -hmm. while, or just as they wrapped up the has been, but not everyone who was on has been was on hell of a. So there's, there's like a big chunk of the crew that didn't see anything from hell of a before. And they're like, Whoa, what is this? <laughs> so seeing everyone's genuine first time reactions was so, so cool. And then we went to this cool steampunk bar and I got like totally blasted <laughs> and great. Yeah. I discovered what absinthe was. That was pretty neat. Oh, <laughs> so, <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, um, I have a friend whose grandpa was all about absent, so I'm I'm aware about that. That's that's great. Oh yeah, no, it was fun. I I really I really liked it, and the the whole week that the has been premiere was happening, like uh, people like crew from around the world, like people from London and France and Canada yeah. and shit, like flew to L.A. for a week of just hangout, and it was so fun. Like had had parties at Viv's place. I was I was hosting. Um, two of my good friends who also were from the Clusterfuck project that Viv was like, okay, hey, no, you're coming here. <laughs> good. And then, like, I hosted them for a week, and that was really fun. Um, and they're still on the team. And uh, it, it was really great. And then have, like, a mini, like, oh, we get, we get to put on makeup and go to the party, woo and all this stuff at, at my place. And then yeah, it, it just, it was, it was really fun. Um, and, uh, you know, un- unfortunately, we can't really do the same thing um well and also yeah we we can't really do the same thing now and also like our projects currently aren't um i wouldn't say aren't the same magnitude as has been was but it's just like you know we're not having premieres for you know oh we're watching the first hell of an episode and whatnot um but you know if if this a24 has been thing goes somewhere then we, we probably will again but it's it's very cool I, mean, I, I certainly hope it does because that was like a major that was just a major deal in general like just hearing that people were just like completely shaken by that announcement alone i can only imagine what the crew was like for that mm-hmm. um, <laughs> yeah i think i think that's one thing because like viv hasn't said anything about it um but i i just want to clarify too because people think that a24 is making it and i'm just gonna like put it out there for everyone to just, just hopefully lay this to rest it is nothing more than a partnership for the IP. There's been no deals made. No one's going to be talking about deals until something has been official. And like, that's it. A24 is just like, I like that. That's it. <laughs> it so, you know, I, I just have to ask this question because it's been like burning me when it comes to like cast and crew, like with this A24 deal, basically nothing really else has changed when it comes to like major cast and crew, unless it's been announced I online. I have no idea. Yeah. Okay. On okay. that. Yeah. I, I, um, I, I, hey, you know, yeah. I, I, I just figured that ask because I, you know, I know how involved you were, but at the same time, I, again, it, this has been one cause like, yeah. I've been like partially like worried about it. Not, I, I, mm-hmm. I wouldn't say worried, but it's one of those like, cause I, I love has hotel. I love like the, the, as you said, the galaxy that she's basically created. And like, I, I'm not going to say that I don't have faith in a 24. I'm just saying like, you know, how many how much of the people that helped made the original thing are going to be helping out with you know what's going out what's being produced going forward but yeah um yeah that's that's all up in the air because like when when something becomes partnered or like becomes i don't know under the microscope of of being funded there are so many moving parts when you add such a big party such as um I don't know, uh, a, a studio that's helping fund it or um, uh, I don't know this this is not happening if it does happen i'm just like disclaimer i'm not saying that it is or will it but like let's say a vendor studio is like oh i want to work i want to work with you guys on making this project you know the the vendor studio has their own artists and when there's a partnership you know it, it sure it comes down to um I guess extra extra money of, of hiring freelancers or even like getting original crew members onto said team or whatever. Um, 
but it, there's there's literally there's no guarantee and i guess that's also like you know why people are are making all these assumptions of oh well this is actually it's it's being sold to or oh it's actually being like you know it's being animated by a24 it's like there has literally been nothing public or announced or even like on my end as like being you know really like like a a quote-unquote high up on the spindle horse ladder whatever has been discussed about what's happening so like seeing all these people like making assumptions and rumors like it's just like okay I get it. Some of them I'm just like, okay, now you're just being stupid. Like someone's like, I heard that Disney bought. It's like, okay, no. <laughs> I'm just saying that flat out. Disney, no. I just, <laughs> Disney's not involved. <laughs> I just want to say Angel Dust would be quite the interesting Disney princess. Just saying. Um. <laughs> Angel is a Disney princess. Is a Coke princess. God. Uh, so, so basically, I'm also let's... putting it. I'm also putting a disclaimer here too. If at the time of this interview or later on in this interview, Disney and Hasman decide to partner, I was not responsible, <laughs> and you cannot hold me liable. Legal disclaimer. Please don't take this canon, fans. <laughs> so, so, so basically, long story short, when it comes to disclaimers and all this kind of stuff, when it comes to this A24 deal, when we'll know, it'll be announced. But past that, just be patient. A hundred, a hundred percent. I mean, the fact that the fact that when I posted my addict video, people were like, "Is this the second episode of Hashman Hotel?" I'm like, "Dude, I linked the I linked the project. It's a music video, yeah. you dickle. God, I just. Uh. And then I don't know. I have to like remember that like a lot of these fans are minors. Yeah. Even though the content is for eighteen and up. Do not you cannot get your parents' permission on this. It's just like, all right, <laughs> whatever. So I just go on Reddit and ignore everyone. <laughs> but, yeah. Well, speaking of like the you know your work with uh, that video and just in general, throughout all this you know uh, spindle horse and working with Nick and all these interesting kind of stuff what has been like your proudest moment or the proudest thing that you can show someone be like I did this this is the best thing I've ever worked on what has been your proudest oh, moment addict, addict. addict for sure okay yeah because I, I was like so has been uh, the pilot it was I mean I, I feel like I mean Viv, Viv will agree it was all over the place like right. just like the the styles, the colors, and like um, I did um, I did the majority of the the big Alistair reprise song. But even then, I was like, oh, maybe this time I'm gonna use green. Maybe this time I'm gonna use purple. And she's like, no, bitch, looking like fucking like be consistent. No, <laughs> like make it look like a like a thing. And like some of them were good, and some of them I'm like, all right, you know, I've learned. But with with addict, um, like I was able to go full do whatever i want for it but it but like the style was already set because everything was just like pink lighting anyway yeah um since uh you know it was it was in the strip club and it's also angel's song so like you know angel's color is pink and character colors and emotions and whatever but like you know for that for that crowd scene where angel is a um it like flashes back and forth to like the the emo part or whatever um like I could have very easily just have added a gradient to the crowd and maybe shifted the colors a little bit um, and whatnot. But like I spent, I think like two hours on that shot alone, which is a long time for me. Usually I get it done within like 30 minutes, but like this one was intense and I was just like, Oh, I'm going to make it like as cinematic and dramatic as possible. And it worked and paid off. And 
there are a bunch of other shots too that I did that I, I really liked. Um, and also the song is a total bop. So like, it really is. Just, it helps that the, the visuals are sick too. So, yeah. um, but, uh, yeah, no, I, I, I can tell you right now, personally, I think I watched that video like at least five times after it came out, like the day of, because like mm -hmm. the video is like just so gorgeous and so amazing and such. And like the song, like really, you know, it, it's amazing mm -hmm. what you guys were able to do. Because in fact, this started off as just like a fan made song, if I'm not mistaken. Right. This was. Dude, this... you know, what's funny. What's yeah, it totally was. So Silva Hound, the guy who made the song, I was like, wait a minute. So like in the Spindlehurst spindle horse server we have different like channel categories for each kind of thing we're working on right. and all of a sudden i see this addict one pop on and i was like oh that's cool and then i see like oh this song was made by silverhound i'm like i have known that dude for like eight years we're what like old brony pals and i was like <laughs> are you kidding me and i sent him this fat discord message saying like dude what the fuck are you serious what a small world he's like dude we're good and I'm like, it was it was so it was so funny and then, like, I would, like, show him, like, here's what I'm working on. Hey, here we go. And he's, like, dude, this is sick. But, like, God, it was, I was, it was such a small world. And then you made, like, so many different variations for it as well, yes. too, that were also really, really good. And But the main song is just, it's great. The, um, the main song. And then I love, I appreciate that you guys add the little, like, epilogue afterwards with uh, Angel Dust. Mm -hmm. Like, that little, like high highs and low and lows like that little soft sing uh softly singing part mm -hmm. uh, but um and, and like you know with what you show because you actually went ahead as well and posted a video about your work on the project and showing almost like breaking down the process people on how you created such a looks for the scene that you yeah. were looking for and such mm -hmm. and like the way you were able to like create that environment with you know the lights and the shadows and such like it's truly awe inspiring especially with like some of the stuff that like some, for the stuff that um you guys made with that video and such like it's just absolutely stunning like it was uh, i like it was probably one of the most high production things i've ever looked at considering the fact that it was made by you know sprindle horse you know which is you know mm -hmm. still getting still going i i don't know how, what the words i'm trying to look for oh yeah <laughs> um just the fact that it's like indie i guess and yes. like the fact that, like yeah yeah it's yeah, it's pretty cool. Sometimes I'm, I mean, I'm still kind of this way and maybe it's just because COVID and I haven't been able to go to conventions or anything. Um, but I'm still kind of like, yeah, that's a project. But like the, the scope of the project, I mean, like Addict has, let me fact check this. Addict has like a shit ton of views. I, last right time now. I checked, Addict I think has, it's like close to 45 million, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, 45 million right now, which yeah. I'm just like, what the f that's a big number. That is a big number. <laughs> I'm just like, but like, I'll look at it and I'll be like, huh? <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know. How to, I don't know how to explain it. And it's, I, and it's, I, I feel like it's the same with if if you're working on like a feature animation too, where it's just like, oh yeah, it's in theaters, okay. And it's not even like I don't even think it's like trying to downplay it. It's just like once you work in it. The um, I don't even want to say the fame, but like just the culture around what you're making is kind of normalized, and you do become jaded a little bit. Um, um, but uh, like I don't know the fact the fact that it, the view count is still going. I mean, yeah. I, I recorded I recorded a, a script for this has been breakdown video that I'm probably gonna like re-record or rewrite or something. But like I was like at the time. 
side. I was like, thank you all so much for the 32 million views. And now I'm just like, shit. <laughs> That, so, that, that's, okay. that's why you always just have like just a generic line it's like thank you so much for everyone's support on this project uh, yeah i don't know maybe it'd be funny if i just like bleeped it out and i was like 45 now buddy <laughs> like it just yeah i mean and it's and it's still it's still going it's still growing i mean it has yeah. more views than the um uh than the husband pilot now yes. i think but oh, it, no, it's actually it's the same. It's yeah, the but, same amount. But believe it or not, it's actually not Vivi's uh, Viv's top viewed video. It's still the mm-hmm. it's still the yeah. Die Young one. Die Young, yeah. <laughs> Which yeah, uh, that was a bop too. But I was, like, <laughs> I was gonna say, but considering the fact that that one's had like what at least six or seven years online compared to Has Been mm-hmm. and Attic, who've only been around for months or almost a year at this yeah, point. Yeah, Attic Attic is the most impressive like view stat too. Yes, which is cool. Um, Love it. But uh, when it comes to yeah, – so you have all this stuff going on and, and such, and you, you're working hard with all this stuff. Oh, I forgot to mention, uh, not too long ago, you also uh, – there was also the release of the Zoophobia, uh, mm-hmm. I guess, short Bad Luck Jack, and you were also lead composer comp- – I want to say composter for some reason. but I know, comp- dude. <laughs> Listen, I, I wrote composter on my – like intro title card, and my dad screenshotted it to me, and he went, nice, and I went – Fuck. <laughs> it's like congratulations, oh, you make tra- yeah, never mind. Um, no, uh, <laughs> compositor. You were the lead compositor on Bad Luck Jack. What was that experience like compared to some of the other projects? Mm-hmm. So, like I like I was saying earlier, um, the kind of tie in like a recent point, and then earlier on in, in the uh, earlier on in the interview, I don't like. I'm not part of the fandom and I wasn't ever part of the fandom. So seeing the scope of responses is crazy. And I was like, the fuck is zoophobia? And I, I, I like, I started working on it and I did, um, I didn't solo composite, but I did like 90% of the compositing for the two song sequences, which is fun. Um, and uh, what's it? But then like, I was like, okay, well, I want to actually like look into the source material. And then I find out it was this like 300 plus page comic that Viv had made and started in 2007 that like a ton of, a ton of people knew of. There were over a hundred characters in it and this whole universe. And I'm just like, first of all, where was I and how did I miss this? Second of all, this is, it's just it was well i feel like at at the time um like let's assume that the has-been pilot wasn't a thing i feel like the the zoophobia fandom is bigger than the has-been one Uh, just based off of my own observation since there is so much um or so so many like things as source material so to speak i mean like there's a lot of drawings of the original has been cast and I'm sure some world building stuff that Viv had, had posted online, but Zoophobia was like a fat, like eight year project, I think. Um, but it just, it was crazy. So there's some crew members who are like, Oh, I just really love this comic. Super nostalgic. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> like, <laughs> it was just, it was weird. Um, and so turning but, around and actually being able to make that into an actual like short and such, I bet that must be at least like somewhat surreal for you. Oh, totally. Yeah. Like it, it was, it was very, it was very cool. Like now understanding what it was, um, it would, it would almost be like working on like a, uh, like if, if Hasbin is Mickey mouse, Zoophobia yeah. is like Donald duck. So it'd be like working on like a Donald duck short. There <laughs> like you go. It's still, it's, 
it's part of the universe, but you know, it's not the main thing, but right. it's still, it's still really cool. And yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, the short was, I mean, the short was also very well done. And uh, obviously for those that pay attention to like the lighting again, wonderful way of making the world feel super lived in and such. Um, mm-hmm. But we have all this stuff going on, helping out with you know Nick, helping out with Viv. You also have your own side project going on. Please tell everyone about this mm-hmm. animation that you got going on. So, <laughs> I don't know where to begin. <laughs> um, like, I, <laughs> I have this little doodle character, which people will see, because um, you're screen recording, right? Yes, I am. So Yeah. Hi. Hi. And now I'm sitting in a chair. Here's <laughs> my frequent touch the ground. Oh, no. <laughs> um, but she's like this little doodle character that I do voices for and tell really awful puns and jokes with and it started off as just me being bored and procrastinating in my dorm room and then kind of evolved into like oh people think this is funny oh my god i'm getting fan art now oh my god someone wants to send me cough drops because i cough every two seconds when i do the voice so then oh my god i just received a massive 500 cough drop bag from someone and I mean, like, someone has a Mao tattoo. And it's just like, it's uh, like, whoa, that's cool. And I mean, like, my fan base isn't even, like, big, big. It's just like, you know, I've got a couple thousand followers here and there. Um, but I guess it sticks with people, which is fun. So I um, I initially, I, I pitched her to Nickelodeon. They were, they, they really liked it. Um, but unfortunately, the age range that I was pitching skewed a little bit too long, too young for what they were uh, looking for. But I've I've kept in contact with devs and whatnot, and it's pretty fun. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it's it's been neat, and I've been kind of like slowly building her world. And I launched a Patreon, which by the way, thank you so much for being the Patreon. I appreciate it. Um, but like, there's um. You know, I, I've been doing like little animations and and whatnot, and um, like work, working with people and helping me animate stuff, uh, which is neat. Since I, I I can animate, but I need to get better at it, and I just don't have time to improve. And um, I don't know. I, I but I, I nothing beats the the shitty screen recording with my phone filming my Cintiq slash iPad doing the voice over it and having to like time music by playing animal crossing soundtrack on my Nintendo switch close enough to my phone. So it picks up the music. It's, I, I make it really difficult for myself, but it's, but it's fun. Cause I think that the kind of trashiness of the production makes it funnier. Yeah. And I like being stupid, but <laughs> it kind of works out. <laughs> uh, and, uh, but with that project, you said yourself you tried pitch it to Nick and such. Is there like mm-hmm. an ideal like endpoint that you want to see with this little project? Like, is there like what do you want to eventually develop into? Um, I'm not sure. Um, I, eventually, I'd like to make full fledged animations either by my own hand or working with a friend or two to do it, um, mm-hmm. and just do like little shorts similar to like um, Lucas the Spider or um, there's oh. this Japanese artist that also has a, has a white cat and it looks more kind of like a 
semicolon three. You know what I'm talking about? I know about? exactly which like, one you're talking about. I think I know that, like, the little Japanese, like, the one that's doing, like, is it the one that's, like, does all, like, the, the weird stuff and, like, I think, like, they have one recently. And then it explodes or something, yes. yeah. Yes, but, like, I yeah, know, yeah, yeah. I think it's, like, one of the more recent ones was, like, the, the cat goes to, like, a sushi shop and all of a sudden, like, everything, including, like, the cats himself is, like, spinning for some random right. reason. Yeah. Yes, I know exactly stuff, what you're talking like, about. That stuff's fun. And, like, that stuff is, like, so easy to make. Like, yeah. um, that's just, there's just still frames that, like, you, I just, I, I love it. I just, I love this is going to sound this is going to sound mean but it's not. I love work that looks like no effort was put into it but you know that it's just good. There we go. <laughs> like like obviously like effort was put into it lots of planning and writing and all that stuff but like seeing something that you're just like really that's it that's your content I love that. I love I just I just I love shit post content. There we go. Like uh, there's another one called uh, bird like B E R D that's really funny. Um I know. One minute. Yeah. Time out. Time out. Yeah. Time out. You're gonna either love me or be like, "What?" Oh, do you the have heck? a bird plushie? Do you have a bird makeshift plushie? plushie? I don't have the plushie. Hold on. Hold on. Show your support. I have the bird YouTube's. What the fuck? That's cute. Yes. I, <laughs> I love that. I'm gonna keep it right here now. <laughs> but yes, I um, I got I'm yeah. a big YouTube's enthusiast. I think I have that as part of my uh, Twitter profile. Mm-hmm. I have like I don't want to say how many, but this was one that I got. Like, yeah. I tried to get to my first day. So. They're like the cooler Funko Pop, yeah. Yes, yes, they are. Thank uh, you. I, I only have the uh, I only have the original Pyrocynical one, and I'm kicking myself for not getting the uh, the Fox one. Yeah. Um, what else was I going to say? Um, but yeah, like bird is great. Cool man. Coffee. Dan is funny. I like him. Cause like his, his stuff is like even lower effort because it's just like flickering back and forth in a and B pose of a character while just saying like, Hey, it's raining outside. Hope you have a good Sunday afternoon. And then it gets like 3 million views. I'm like, what the shit? Okay. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's great. Um, I just, I just love dumb content. Um, Oh, uh, uh, ice cream sandwich is another one, but that one's like actually animated. I like that one too. Um, but yeah, no, it just, it's just quick, funny, dumb things are just great. But like, I, I, I want to like build a world around Mal, but I need to think of an approach still. And I, I, I'm still kind of like going back and forth with like the tone of everything and, and whatnot too. Cause I don't want to, I don't want her to like lose her stupidness by trying to give her a plot if that makes sense right but you right. know spongebob doesn't do that, that so like, i can kind of like take some reference interesting <laughs> um let's see uh okay now that we got that uh words are wonderful aren't they um <laughs> yeah uh as we start to to wind down the interview right here i want to ask um for what is yeah Find the words, Nathan. There you go. Um, again, you got all this stuff going on, like just a million different things seemingly going on. What is the key for you to staying so productive? The fear of death, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like, <laughs> staying busy keeps the fear away. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't really know how else to explain it other than just like, I don't know, like everyone's kind of gone through bad eras of their life and done poo-poo things and you know i've i've reached a point where i think i've grown an inch taller and told myself stop doing poo-poo things and start doing good things i guess so i just was like okay 
and you know doing good things feels good so i try and do it as much as i um try and do it as much as i can even if it affects like my physical health sometimes because i just sit at a desk all day you know and just drink coffee and have like an egg and be like i'm fine for the rest of like the week and it's just like i don't know like finding a balance for that and then also like my personal life too as a reward like i won't i won't go over to my boyfriend's house to work unless either we're both done working or um I don't know. We, we've because he does he does like similar animation stuff too. But like, okay. um, he, uh, um, I've kind of reached a <laughs> reached a point where it's just like, as punishment, we're not going to hang out until we have like our homework done. And I think that's been really fun too. It's just like being being held accountable both both by your own actions, but you know other people's as well too. Um, and my my roommates also do work for YouTubers as well. Um, okay. Uh, they're um, uh, the Pivots XXD, who's a full-time animator for Jimmy yes. Animations. Yeah, and then uh, his uh, his girlfriend Anti Darkheart, who does stuff for Jaden. Uh, okay. Used to work for The Odds Out, and then now she's been doing um, like VidGlow stuff and and streaming, and just like a couple kind of like she's kind of like me, where she hops around with freelance. Um, oh, actually, she did a couple backgrounds on uh, Bad Luck Jack, and then she's working on backgrounds for Hello Boss too, which is pretty fun. Okay. So I was I'm very happy that Viv liked her stuff enough to give her a job because now I can just walk over to Kelsey's desk and be like, did you do your shit? Because I need your shit. And she's like, okay. <laughs> uh, no, it's it's fun. I, I enjoy living with, um, like, people within the same type of uh, internet culture. It's it's fun. Fair enough. That makes sense. No, I, yeah. I totally get that. Kind of have that, that you know, universal mentality because you guys are basically all in the same boat in, in a sense, mm-hmm. so. You guys can yeah we're all like we're all like mutuals with everyone too just like our, our friend group is like oh i know so and so youtuber it's like oh that's cool and then like i know a lot of animation people and they're like oh you know this person it's just it's it's a fun community which is neat absolutely absolutely um i'm gonna i'm about to ask probably one of the most generic questions of all time where do you eventually see yourself say five ten years from now like you know keeping up with this stuff I don't know, man. Like, I'm already a lead for Viv. So if, you know, some big studio, something happens, hopefully I can, like, stay on board um, and be a lead then, too. Or eventually I'd love to be a a showrunner because I feel like I have a good grasp on managing a team and also being assertive. (laughs) So that'd be neat. Whether it be for the Mao show or whatever or, like, something else by a different studio, that'd be cool. Um but I don't know. It, it's it's definitely weird. Um, I don't even. I don't think I answered your question earlier about how working for Nick is different during COVID. Um, oh, and I guess it kind of like I totally didn't. I <laughs> got you. Um, but um, hey, you're a lot better. Remember <laughs> this stuff than I am. Wow. <laughs> Mike Pence turned that shit around, dude. No, we're talking about me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, um, what was I going to say? Um, yeah, like it's it's kind of this it's kind of the same of, of working for Hasbin. Like I've already been okay. I've already been used to working on a team that's remote or people working in different time zones. The Nick thing is just that the only difference is, is that there's like scheduled meetings that you have to attend to and things have much harsher deadlines because there's a lot of moving parts that depend on um what's it like you doing your job in a timely manner, right? Right. Um whereas 
working working on has been it's like yeah we have a deadline but it can be pushed sometimes i mean you don't really want it to but it, since like i don't know it, viv viv posts when she wants to and like you know if it is delayed by a day or two she'll be like mm, this sucks but like you know whatever um you know trying to not let that happen and it will not happen for the next hell of an episode which by the way will be released by the end of october there we go I, I'm yeah, um, I'm certainly excited for it, <laughs> dude. It's it's so good. It's like we the the team has improved so much, and it's just uh, it's so funny. I I rewatched the animatic just because it's just it's just so good. There we go. Um, but um, yeah, it's yeah, it's it's not it's not very different. A lot of my um coworkers they were like, oh, I don't like work from home. I miss being in person. It's just like sucks, dude. like i don't like i get it but it's also like i'm just i'm just so jaded from working from home on freelance projects and especially like in production because i did production stuff too for uh uh you know spindle stuff and i'm still doing it but i'm just like it's not that bad it's okay you can go get coffee without people knowing (laughs) we're taking (laughs) that i'm just thinking of like that the the meme that's been going around nowadays from like top gear is like oh no anyways um (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh, as as we uh, wrap up the interview, I do want to ask this question. Uh, for anyone that's looking to get into com uh compositing, 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 compositing. <laughs> for anyone that's looking Which to get into, for, anyone, for anyone that's looking to get into compositing, other than just tell me how to pronounce it correctly, what would you recommend that they would look to look at, or what should they look into to start developing that skill? See, that's also kind of hard because there's no real resources out there, which is why I'm making the videos that I'm making. So if you like my shit and if you like seeing the shit get made that you also like and have it not look like shit, make it look like good shit, subscribe to my YouTube and then you can see more. And it will be so cool because I like talking about it and every production is so different. Um, But I don't know, maybe... um, Part of me, part of me is like, oh well, download After Effects and then just start messing around, which you know is is a viable option. People can learn on their own, but I feel like understanding why you want to do compositing is important too. Since yeah, if you want to make stuff look cr- pretty, that's valid. But if you really want to go into how to do it well instead of just like oh, I want to make it look nice, it's like well, how to tell stories with color, tell story with light, tell story with temperature and all this other stuff tell story with with the camera focuses and all this all this stuff that compositors do both um not even both like you know in feature tv independent all over the place like having a a more solid foundation of why you want to learn it other than oh i just think it's cool definitely helps um because i mean like if you just want to find it if you just want to learn it because it's cool like that's totally fine like that's yeah i mean i learned it because i thought it was cool whatever um but, you know, I also really like seeing interesting color things in in person. And I wouldn't have learned that unless I wanted to learn compositing. Like, like the fact that, that the sun casts blue shadows because orange and blue are... Wait, am I right? Fuck. I, I, orange and blue aren't colors. Shit. <laughs> 
Orange and purple. Thank you. There you go. The fact that the fact that orange light casts purple shadows or red red light casts green shadows, and you're just like, I didn't think of that before. When you're when you're painting something, and then you're just like, oh, I'm just gonna make it grayscale. It's like, why not add green? Yeah, it will look kind of funky, and it will look like real or something too. But it's just like real lighting conditions and color theory stuff is just neat. Um, so I don't know. I just that's that's something that's helped me. Where it's just like sometimes you know compositing it, it is still a job right. and sometimes there are times I'm like i don't want to do it but then i'm just like but it's cool and then i'm like okay i want to do it <laughs> so, um yeah i mean like even on your tyler poster like the the yeah. sunset goes from like orange to pink and it's like the, well the clouds have purple shadows tight like it's just it's just cool and it like totally helps plus your artwork too if you if you don't want to get into compositing um animation even just like want to go into like learning real world lighting conditions or something to help plus your illustrations or whatever or even like character I don't know. it's it's neat um but i would definitely say um i plan on making more i mean i am making more uh informational videos on my youtube about compositing so feel free to like subscribe there um there's a really great book called color and light by james gurney and it has this sick dinosaur on it that is really good about um color theory um watching any pixar talk and i mean i'm sure disney has some too but like pixar has a really good lighting series done by diane Feinberg, i think and she is the the dp or the director of photography over at pixar okay. there's a really cool example from coco about like oh like this is like total side tangent but it's like oh well when they discover that de la cruz is a bad guy like he starts off like kind of green and then when he gets closer to the pool it like upshots him with dramatic lighting which is also like an evil thing so to speak but the lighting turns more green like oh that's an icky scary color it's just it's just neat um and i mean 2d animation has it as well too like a um oh, fuck what is it uh like mufasa no sorry scar yeah, with yes. the green lighting and stuff like it's it's i don't know do research on old not old but like do research on animation or films or tv shows or whatever that have cool lighting try and understand why the choices um, are being made, like the the Skylar and the, the blue pool and whatnot. Still don't know why they make Mexico yellow. It seems kind of racist to me. It, it, but it does. It's, it does. it's weird. <laughs> Across the border and then you just like lose like half the color in your vision. You're just like, ah, oh, yellow. <laughs> no boy. No. No. Um, but um, yeah, just it's, yeah, just studying stuff and is a good way to help but yeah my channel james gurney video looking at real world and being like that's cool those are kind of the big three that i can recommend i don't know colors neat and studying <laughs> <Yeah>. stuff yeah <laughs> and for those wondering i will be sure to put a link to all this stuff and more in the description so don't search too far um, epic yes um with that i'm all out of questions uh sarah you have just been a ball of energy and i have enjoyed every single second of it thank you so much for taking time to sit down and talk i i i really can't thank you enough oh no problem you know this is this is fun like i was saying earlier like i can ramble on for hours dude like it's it's great and hopefully i can provide hours of informational content coming soon there we go <laughs> Yeah. And where can they find that informational content informational content as well as some of your <laughs> other as well as some of your other such stuff? <laughs> you can find my YouTube channel at Serval Sketch on YouTube, uh, Twitter, Instagram. My Instagram's kind of barren. 
because I just restarted it. Um, if you're a professional or you're looking to get into the professional industry, so to speak, Serval Sketch on LinkedIn, I accept everyone on there. And if you want to ask me a work-related question, I'm more than happy to respond. Um, I also have a email, um, which I will send to you to put in the description if people want to contact for like any questions, but please questions only. And please don't like ask me if I can like work on your thing. I really appreciate it, but I I don't have the time. And then, um, yeah, just like serval sketch everywhere. My email. Um, yeah. All right. Um, do you have any last words before we sign off? Uh, compositing is cool. (laughs) (laughs) Compositing is cool. Once again, thank you so much for just this wonderful interview. I really cannot thank you enough. Um, mm-hmm. and, and for everyone else at home, hasta luego, mi amigos. Awesome. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs>